0: Support for At Length comes from the University of Washington Alumni Association. Welcome to At Length. I'm Steve Scher. Mark Morris is one of the most highly regarded artists of our era. The MacArthur Fellow is an innovator, a satirist, a romantic. He is most of all a choreographer suffused with music. The Mark Morris Dance Group is performing in Seattle in March. Morris is speaking with King Radio musical host Gigi Ellen at the University of Washington in a talk titled... Dancing Beyond Boundaries. After a busy rehearsal schedule, Morris joined me on the phone to talk about his work. Now think of Morris as maybe the Marshawn Lynch of dance interviews. He doesn't suffer fools gladly, and I may seem like one. But we had a good talk, and Morris's passion for the art comes through rich and clear, like one of his dances. You're going to do performances, but you're also going to do this talk, and it's a moderated talk. I was just thinking... Right. I was just thinking, what do, you, uh, what do you want people to to come away with at the end of the talk?
1: Oh, I have no idea what I'm going to talk, what I'm being asked.
0: <laughs> so I don't know.
1: I have nothing in my, I have nothing planned.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I had a feeling that was the case.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, it's a talk. It's, I, it's being moderated by what's her name, who I really like. What's her name? Um, oh, Gigi Yellen.
0: Oh, Gigi.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, Gigi's great.
1: Yeah, she's. I asked for her. She's great because I had re- I had really good relations with her a few times on the radio. So she's she's the, she's the person uh, talking to me. So that'll and, be great. So I don't know what she's going to ask. And that and
0: she's a person who is all about the music and how the music influences people. I mean, that's what she did at on the radio, and that's also what she's done in her in her own life. She's all about it, the music. Right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've I've heard that about you. That you are all yeah. about the music. I. Uh, I was, I read this, uh, the beauty of the, the modern world is that I can see all these cool things on your Facebook pages and the, and the like, and I loved this, mm-hmm. I loved this sentence, and I, and I don't know if you love it, but you'll tell me. Innocent Joy, this is from the New York Times, Brian Siebert. Oh, yeah. Innocent Joy, few modern companies or choreographers convey it better than Mr. Morris and his appealing group, especially in the chill of February, that's something to look forward to. Were you going for Innocent Joy?
1: I don't write, I don't write about my work in that way, but I like his writing, and that's true. Also, it was a slow news week, so because we're not performing in New York till April,
0: <laughs>
1: so it's this preview that I didn't even know was coming. No, I'm very happy about it. But of course, that's great, and I, I don't disagree with what he says.
0: You like that phrase? Yeah. Yeah. What's the music that's that's going to be in in this piece that he was writing about? What's some of the music that you're you're using. Oh, well,
1: he wrote about the the several of the pieces we're doing at BAM. Yeah. I mean, he's talking he's talking specifically about the program that we're doing at Brooklyn Academy of Music, which in, in is a, there's a new piece I'm doing, debut C, which we're not doing in Seattle. I haven't finished it yet. And Spring, 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 My Right of Spring that we're doing. And uh, Pacific, which we're also doing in Seattle, the uh, Lou Harrison piece. And I don't know. I mean, the, read the rest of the article. He, t- he talks about all of those pieces. But it's about it's about that it's about what i do with music
0: so yeah i read it i read it i liked. oh what you he did oh, okay i liked what he said about uh uh the right of the right of spring peace mm-hmm. and how he was he was talking about it in terms of it not being uh it's not what was the phrase he used about stravinsky he used a he used a phrase about stravinsky uh-huh um Well, I'd
1: rather talk about me than about what Brian Siebert says about me.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about you. I'm just getting you there, Mark. I'm just trying to get you there. Oh, what do you you want to know? (laughs) Well, tell me about that. Yeah, what do you want to know? I want to know why that music is uh, Innocent Joy, and why it conveys how you came about thinking about uh, Spring, 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 which is about joy. How did you think about it?
1: I was responding to the treatment, the incredible treatment by The Bad Plus, their reading of the, of the Rite of Spring, which to me is extremely interesting and far more rhythmically accurate and uh, vivid than any big orchestra version of the, of the piece. Or the orchestra, the dead the rhythm. So, you know, it really revived that piece in my interest. And I had no, I had no, uh, no desire to chore to re choreograph something that many people have done. Some of them pretty well. So, I just did a different one. <laughs>
0: there, there, this is a jazz This is a jazz trio doing uh, doing the work.
1: Yeah, it's a bad plus.
0: Yeah. So they the, uh, is it stripped down? How would you describe the music?
1: Uh, it's essentialized yeah it's great it's great you should hear it it's it's released they've released a recording of it
0: i'm gonna grab Um, it
1: yeah it's wonderful and you know ethan iverson the pianist of that band was my music director for a number of years so we're very close my company and his his trio the the bad plus
0: i like that phrase essentialized yeah as opposed to stripped down essentialized uh brings what out in that piece
1: the essence of it it's not you know it's you can't do every instrument, but there's no reason to, but it's fully, you know, it's not a, it's not a reduction. It's a treatment. So it's a, I mean, you, you have to hear it and then you would know why I would have choreographed it. But, um, anyhow, I'm trying, I'm looking at what we're doing in Seattle. Let me see. Well, let's
0: see. I just Hmm. looked. You're doing, uh, you're doing, I'll tell you.
1: That's right. No, I have it here someplace. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. I see what we've got. Okay, what do you want to know from me?
0: What's the specific, what's the what's Jen and Spencer?
1: It's a duet for two people. It was originally Jen and Spencer and now it's Jen and a, another man doing it, and it is a <clears throat> it's set to the suite for violin and piano of the great uh, Henry Cowell. So, it's uh I'm not sure when it's from. The 20s maybe. I'm not positive what year it is. But when I was organizing the Ojai Festival cuz I was guest uh what was, I guess, music director for the Ojai Festival in California a couple years ago, and I thought I'd heard all of Cowell's music that's recorded. There's a lot that's not recorded, but I heard this piece and made up a dance specifically to premiere at the Ojai Festival because it was a small piece of Cowell's that I uh, made up a dance in quite a short, quite short order because I wanted to add it to my festival. So it's in the repertoire of my company, and it's a gorgeous piece of music that most people don't know, even people who know Cowell's music. So it's a very, very interesting tightly built, beautiful duet for the, for two, a man and a woman.
0: Why is Cowell particularly important to you?
1: Uh, well, he's not particularly important. He was a very, very great genius and, uh, you know, basically invented what's now uh, sort of smugly called world music. You know, he was studying music of the world long before anybody else was. So he was a huge influence, not just on the West Coast, but in composers everywhere. And he's the reason... Uh, a lot of people wrote what they wrote, including John Cage and Lou Harrison and some of the very great composers of the 20th century. So Cowell was uh, a miracle and a great, great mind and a very, very good composer.
0: A miracle? Yeah. Because of how much inspiration he uh, afforded other people?
1: Because of his great mind and his great music and his incredible tunes and his amazing generosity. He wrote a huge amount of music and was deeply influential, and also the music is was out of fashion because it's very tuneful and that you know mid-century that was against the law in american music
0: (laughs) i think i saw that law i think congress passed that didn't they during the mccarthy era i
1: I was not interested in that but yes and it's not to say there isn't really good mid-century american music but you know it went a different direction for a very long time
0: and crosswalk
1: crosswalk is to the very famous and beautiful uh grand duo for clarinet and piano of uh karl Maria von Weber. So that sort of uh, 19th century fabulous virtua You know, it was, the clarinet was still pretty new, and it's an extremely uh, bravado piece of music and, and uh, fabulous, and it's for eight men and three women, that particular piece.
0: Does Weber still get a lot of play? Do you, do you hear Weber on the radio? You know, we're talking about G.G. Allen on the radio. Do you hear Weber played a lot?
1: No, nobody does. I mean, everybody knows Invitation to the Dance, maybe. That's a famous piece, and famously choreographed by Mikhail Fokine in the early part of the 20th century. Um, but no, there, no uh-uh, for some reason. I mean, he wasn't the greatest genius who ever lived, but it's very exciting music, wonderful music for its time.
0: And words?
1: Words is set to... <clears throat> I choreographed words that, so it could be done anywhere, on a bad floor or outside or with just a couple of dancers. So we, And it is set to uh, Mendelssohn's famous and not as famous Songs Without Words. He wrote a great many of these pieces he called Songs Without Words uh, for the piano and arranged some of them for violin and piano, and they they can be played many different ways. So it's a piece of maybe a dozen of those and up to 16 dancers. So what we're doing in Seattle is probably 16 people and the full length was piano and violin, but the piece could still exists just as a duet that's like five minutes long so it's very much open structurally variable so that it can be adapted to wherever
0: we need it the mmdg music ensemble they travel with you of course they're part of your your company Uh uh-huh um who makes the final decisions on on how the music will sound uh on the stage oh i do i do and how do the and are the musicians are, are the, the musicians you work with are they um, as excited about what you're well you're not going to be able to know if they're as excited but you are always very energized and excited by the music and the dance right are they as excited by the dance and the music can you can you feel the collaboration
1: well sure otherwise they wouldn't last very long <laughs> you know so I mean you know I have a music director Colin Fowler who's my uh, rehearsal accompanist and plays for class and performs all the keyboard music in my company's repertory including he plays harpsichord when i conduct dido and he's an organist and a pianist so he is now official music director he was sort of de facto music director for a while but now it's his actual title and he uh... runs all of it you know i have people who contract and uh, my my you know the music ensemble is like most orchestras in new york uh, a rotation of a roster of people but they're mostly mostly the same i have a i have a i don't always have the exact same personnel in every tour we do but um it's a you know i can make a big orchestra if i need to i can make a full symphony sized orchestra but usually it's chamber music of varying sizes so but yeah they all work with me regularly and are are very good
0: you uh, mentioned that you uh, choreographed that piece for uh, good floors and bad floors do you run into mm-hmm. bad floors a lot
1: all the time of course People just assume that you'll dance anywhere. So we show up, and the floor is too hard to perform on. It's injurious. And so I do a lower-impact show, because you can't cancel, because then you're blacklisted, because dance is not very uh, well-respected. And so it's like, well, of course, they did it. Why won't you perform here? It's like, well, I can't, because it's a marble floor in a museum, and we won't dance on that. You know. So, you know, it's like you won't – you won't you – won't, uh, uh, you know, you won't um, – work in you won't perform in a theater where it's 30 degrees you know because you can't because it's too cold and that's true with floors that floors need to be at least resilient if not fully sprung and that's a big problem with touring dance companies
0: dance is not very well respected you continue to encounter that of course yeah why of course
1: uh well
0: I mean, I wouldn't hear a cinematographer saying, well, movies aren't very well respected. It's just, dance should be well respected. What's going on?
1: Well, I think so. No, it's very tiny. Everybody knows that. It's very tiny. Very few people are involved in it. It's not taken very seriously, very often by the people who do it, you know. Uh, Very you know, people think uh, it's a hobby or, you know, it's like you'll get over it and stop dancing (laughs) when you get a real job. That's normal. That's normal for the arts in the United States. It's just that. Uh, things that, where you can make a lot of money are rewarded by the culture much more than things that are marginal that way.
0: Are you so, talking about dancers or about people who book the dance groups and bring in the dancing troops to various performances? Well, if you
1: don't bring, if you if you're a producer who hires people to come and perform, you're obviously taking it seriously enough to do that, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, my company's not cheap, um, but you know there are very few dance companies, and most people will do anything to get work. And there's a there's a you know there's a uh, perception amongst people that, you know, dancers are children or irresponsible or, you know, because they're usually young. And so that means uh, they're dumb. And, of course, that's not automatically true, but it's true enough where sometimes it's, you're right. You know, I'm sorry. It's like a lot of people are treated like children because they act like children. And, you know, it's true famously, enough. Famously in the ballet industry, you know, the women in particular are infantilized to a really ridiculous and insulting and misogynist point. So, you know, it's not very often, you know, I'm am just talking about the bad parts. Most people think how fabulous and magic that show was, but they don't know what goes on to put that show together. So, you know, it's like the seeing, uh, you know, abstract painting and saying my six year old could do that. And it's like, well, that's not true. Of course.
0: And I get it's nice that comparison. That people think,
1: nice that people think that, but that means it seems natural or spontaneous or just right. It's, it's inevitably correct except there's an enormous amount of work that goes into making it look inevitably correct and effortless. So that's the part where people just don't understand the sort of work that it is to maintain yourself as a dancer and to maintain a dance company and to really approach it as a serious vocation and as a as an art life as opposed to a hobby or just an entertainment.
0: When we talked a few years ago, you were very excited about the work you were doing at the Mark Morris Dance Center, especially in terms of getting new young people in for training and for, and, and for work. How, right. are you, how are you finding the current group of people you're training? How are you finding their, their preparation?
1: Well, I, 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 it's not a conservatory. It's a dancing school. So most of the maybe 1,500, 1,700 students we have, are, a lot of them are little kids. And, um, you know, so that's great, but it's not like feeding my company. I don't, the, the school doesn't exist in order to give me fresh dancers all the time you know it may in the future when they grow up but you know it's a big range of people it's a lot of adults and older citizens and very many different forms and techniques of dancing so it's really it's a big open buffet of dancing and music around here and it's wonderful so i'm not i don't really have a a, uh, a syllabus where i'm driving people from their first steps into professional dancer that's not the, the point of it really what is uh, for people to have the uh, possibility of, of dancing and uh, dancing to music and being together and learning something. That's what it is. We have a huge program for people with Parkinson's and uh, rentals. People, Every other company in town rents my studios for very, very cheap because why not? <laughs> I have a great building and it's nice for other people to be able to work there too.
0: Have you seen a change in the way people appreciate dance because of the the approach you've taken at the dance center?
1: Um, I don't know. Well, probably, or it wouldn't be so big and successful and fun and friendly around here because it's great. But, you know, if anything, in the general culture of dance, more people are using live music and more people are using better music, and there's a greater appreciation of non-Western dancing. People are really, you know, in New York anyway, Indian dance has, has really come out on its own, as has the big flamenco renaissance of the last 10 or 15 years. So people have opened their eyes and are looking at more kinds of dancing and that's wonderful. And you know, some of those not fabulous T V shows with all the dancing on them are very interesting and important that they exist.
0: Are they important that they exist? Because, because yeah, that's they why show I said people that because they show <laughs> You're particularly prickly with me today. Is are they important they exist because they're showing people that dance is a universal?
1: Oh, I don't think dance is universal. I uh, I think it's human. Um no, that yeah, that it's something interesting and uh possible, yeah, I mean it's why not? I mean it's better to have it if you if you're going to have it, you might as well have it all the way, and that's what this is a very big forum for people to watch dancing, good or bad. You should still uh, have registered in some way.
0: you travel all over the world with a dance company you've been in Australia, you've gone to Asia. Do you find a difference in people's thinking about dance than in the states
1: uh well, yeah, I mean, many places have dance as a big living part of their culture as opposed to a sort of a sidebar, um, you know, or seen as a, a scene frivolity or something like that. So, you know, it depends. And, you know, all, all audiences respond differently wherever you go, but that's also true night by night, you know, because uh, an audience isn't a monolithic object. It's a, a whole bunch of individuals, I hope, you know. That's what I want is a bunch of individuals sitting next to each other.
0: My sisters, my cousins, they go out almost every night to dance, do different dances. The dance is, huh. dance is a part of their, their a life in a way that they can't imagine it uh, being without it. And it, it wow. It, and it feels like for, for them and for, for me, be, just by being touched by it, that, that dance has become more important. And maybe it is because of those TV shows. I don't know. But dance has so become great. more important. That's wonderful
1: cuz you know it's it's sad when you go to the some you know you go to a straight a straight wedding and nobody can dance at the at the reception only a couple of old people can still touch each other and dance anyway all right and that's true i mean in the you know that's different in different sub communities of the of the country but you know the general thing is pretty washed up social dancing is there's not a lot of it so i'm happy to hear that
0: is there any music like is there any music you've been listening to lately that you've been uh, inspired by, and have, um, in the back of your mind, you're thinking about, well, how am I going to choreograph this?
1: Uh, oh, I listen to music all the time, and it, I find great uh, thrill and uh, inspiration in lots of different kinds of music. And it's it's very difficult for me sometimes to find a piece that I want to choreograph that's not, uh, that that works. And I've been having a lot of, I'm doing a piece for American Ballet Theater later this year, and I've been really, really having a hard time finding music that I, I Want to set on them, so I think I'm close. But you know, I mean, I have lots of music, but music doesn't automatically make me want to dance to it or to set a dance to it. So that's I have to actually search for that.
0: Wow, no kidding! You have to search for it. It doesn't something doesn't strike you. You're actually look. Do you know what it is you're searching for when you're searching for it?
1: Uh, well, yeah, sure. I have leads. You know, I'm. I want chamber music, or I want no piano, or I want. Something from the nineteenth century, or I want something by a particular composer or, or whatever instrumentation, so I always have there' are certain parameters that I'm, that I set for myself to find something you know I want something that's not exactly like what I just did, so you know that's already a lot of music is cut out from that, so you know I'm not just going to do a haydn string quartet you know every six months, although I could because they're all great, but yeah, so I want variety, and it also depends on the company that's not my own with my company, I can be a little bit more spontaneous though yeah because it they have you know because I'm, I'm not there every day at american ballet theater
0: that's that's the emotional part of thinking about it what's the uh, i mean that's the intellectual part of thinking about it what if you agree with this is the emotional search you're on
1: uh it has to be varied and it has to have i don't know it has to be appealing and it has to not be uh obvious unless i want it obvious but most uh I don't know. I have to be, it has to be intriguing. I don't see a dance in my head when I listen to something. I have to actually study it and come up with something. That's what I like about it, instead of just, this makes me, I, I, I feel a waltz coming on. You know, that's, I don't think that way very often. <laughs> Although it would be easier if I did, so maybe I should just try that instead.
0: I feel a waltz coming on. Yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to see you choreographed to that notion.
1: <laughs> I well, a I, can do that in a sa- I can do that in my head. Nobody needs to see that.
0: Uh, what haven't I asked I see you I think
1: everybody can a lot of people visualize dances I don't but if you do you don't need me to do my job then you have one at your disposal any moment
0: wait that I was going to I was going to rap but you said that's very interesting everybody sees dances in their head you don't
1: yeah no no if I'm working on one I'll solve problems that I'm working on but you know it's like oh because I you know people send me notes sometimes like you know I heard a piece of music that would be perfect for you to choreograph it's like wow that's thank you and do it yourself, basically, <laughs> make up your own damn dance, yeah, so it's interesting because you know I have a big a, well pretty wide range of interests musically and and dance dance wise, so that's what in, that, what's interesting to me is that breadth of uh, sort of point of view i don't I, I surprise myself with what I choose. Sometimes I pick music, it's like, "Oh my God, how am I ever going to do that?" And then I do that.
0: All right, Mark, what haven't I asked you that I should uh, that you want to say?
1: Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> Let's I, see. I can tell you that this show is genius that we're doing. Oh, I know what i I want to mention Pacific, this piece we're doing called Pacific because I choreographed it for San Francisco Ballet years ago, maybe fifteen something years ago, and it's never none of my ballets that I've choreographed for classical ballet companies have ever been performed by my company. So this is the first time I thought my dances can do this great. We're not on point, but this is one of the dances that can be done not on point. So my company just learned it, and it's kind of amazing. That's what I have to tell you. I, I wasn't sure if it would work, but it works fabulously. Because actually PNB did that piece a few years ago, Pacific. And it's this wonderful piece of uh, Piano Trio of Lou Harrison, who's a big favorite of mine.
0: Yeah, he's great. So that's
1: a highlight, this piece we just put together.
0: That's great. Do you know, is there a moment when you're in uh, rehearsal, uh, is there some moment when you just can lean back in the seat and say, "Ah, oh, they... We get it. It's time together. Oh,
1: yeah. I do that in the theater. You know, I work, I rip everything apart and work very, very meticulously in the studio. And then performances I just watch and enjoy and maybe give some notes after, like, you know, that was too fast or come in later or something. But I don't, I don't uh, give detailed corrections and, uh, you know, we don't rehearse stuff once we're performing it. So they're off the hook. They just get to dance it and you know a rehearsal you do something over and over and over for many hours and in a performance it happens once and that's it so it's very uh, liberating you know the strict, the strict structures that I impose in rehearsal of course then are the contents of the dance but you just do it once and it goes straight through and then it's over
0: you still have the passion for it
1: I, yeah well it's my only skill so it's nice that I have a passion to accompany that
0: I know. I Would you... I'd
1: be bored to death, probably. I don't know.
0: You could just be walking your dog around the city of New York and having a good time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. I see a lot of people doing that. Well, that... There's time for that later. Maybe right. I need a dog first. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I never thought of that. I should have a dog instead of a dance company. It'd be a lot easier to feed. <laughs>
0: solution you've solved you've solved your life that's right thank you
1: thanks i'm disbanding my company right now thanks and getting a corgi i'm going to the kennel all
0: right man thank you i appreciate you taking the time i know you're busy
1: oh sure i also just talk fast because i've been rehearsing all day so i'm talking really fast anyway it wasn't to hurry you up it's just that i have thoughts sometimes
0: no i hear that i hear that And besides it's better that way it's better to be okay don't you think
1: yeah Yes, I agree. You got, All yeah, right, you got things to do.
0: You got, you got. A yeah, to I have lead. to go
1: watch Jeopardy right now.
0: Amen. Do you don't do yes. Wheel of Fortune first?
1: No, no, it's second here in New York, and I'm usually cooking by then.
0: So. Oh, that's funny.
1: Anyway, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. The award-winning choreographer Mark Morris speaks in Seattle March 4th. The Mark Morris Dance Group performs four works at Meany Hall March 5th through 7th. Thanks for listening to At Length. I'm Steve Scher. Support for At Length comes from the University of Washington Alumni Association.